We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Farmers Insurance Open DraftKings Picks and Preview Plus towards the end of the show. The play, the best plays lineup, which somehow finds itself in the cash every single week. Maybe I should actually invest in playing the best plays instead of playing the bad plays in which I lose money, which I will be talking about on the show. All the bad plays, so just do the opposite. You'll be fine. You want to make your own decisions? Go to fantasynational.com slash mayo. That slash mayo gets you 20% off all the stats, all the customizable tools, the lineup generator, the simulator, all of the modeling, easy stuff, fantasynational.com slash mayo. And the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League is filling up very quickly with this tournament starting on Wednesday. There's around 500 spots left. The link is in the description. Go get yours right now because if you wait 45 minutes, it's going to be full. So if you want your spot in the best tournament on DraftKings, you might as well go do that right now. Sub to the newsletter as well. That's where I'll have all of the extra stats, all the extra research, uh, the preview show for the NFL championship games, and my final betting card where, once again, you can know who not to take and you will be fine with everything. You can find that for free down in the, in the description. If you're on Substack, just go to Mayo Media. You can find it up there right now. I think I've hit on everything. Let's bring him in. First timer on the show. Very excited. The host of the Tap In Birdie podcast, Brian Kirshner. What's up? Hi, how you doing? Couldn't be more excited to join you this week. I mean, you know, you're a legend in the industry, total godfather. And uh, I couldn't be more excited to chop it up and talk DFS this week. And you know what I was talking about? We haven't had an event like this since the BMW. We haven't had a full field with a cut with elite players since really the BMW. We've been capping the uh, Bermuda Championship. And now we get some good players at a tough course. Yeah, it's tough only because this is 156 players and like that was what, 70, 75, whatever the hell that is in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, this is fun. Like, and you're going to have to, if you really want to overload your team this week at the top, you're going to have to take some absolute scrubs at the bottom, which is always my favorite type of week because I always pick the wrong scrub. So that's always fun. 
Yeah, no, we're not doing that this week. Absolute guarantee. I think we're finding some absolute value and some great plays at the bottom of the board. And uh, I can't wait to get there. All right, well, let's talk Torrey Pines split courses, the North and the South, the first two days, Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, both to be had at the much more difficult South course. If you're betting first round leaders, you're going to want to take the North course. Uh, I think it's happened once that someone from the South course is tied to be first round leader. Other than that, the low scores all come from the North course and DraftKings showdown stack the North course, the first two days, uh, and then just don't even bother with DraftKings showdown. Unless you're really far behind the eight ball, you need to make your monies back uh, for the final two rounds. You can play your weekend round three and round four, but I'll have in the newsletter who's playing uh, the T sheet for round one. You can, you can go look it up yourself, but I'll, provide that in the newsletter for everyone out there uh for me just looking at it kirsch is going to be driving distance long irons around the green i think you can boil it down to like those three things and you can add in whatever else you want if you're you know trying to pump out stat bottling but that's the idea of the player that i have in my mind i'm gonna make a few pivots off of that because as we've seen you know the patrick reeds the mark leishmans of the world win here but they just seem to be even when you look at them at the top of the leaderboard versus everyone else who's at the top of the leaderboard they really stick out as outliers absolutely and i think the thing that's this week is so important is that par is a premium for once you know we've had so many low scoring events and i think that when these guys are hitting four and five irons into these greens and there's not a lot of eagle opportunities and birdies are hard to come by around the green game par is at a premium you're gonna have to make your five footers for par you're gonna have to get up and down and driving distance is gonna help you because if you could really get it out there you could have some shorter clubs into these greens and I think it will be a lot easier to hold. So I'm very excited and I definitely do think the winner and the best players are at the top of the board. And that's usually where the winners come from at this event. All right. So just play the six most expensive players and I'm good to go. Absolutely. There will be no problems with pricing or getting everyone in there. It'll work every single time. All right, let's talk about them. John Rahm's the most expensive guy at the top of the board, the only one above 11,000. He's 11,2. JT is 10,9. 10,6 is Hideki. 10,3 is Dustin, the first time that we've seen him in 2022. Xander and Berger, 10,1. And then $10,000 even. Berger, more than Bryson. Didn't expect to see that. More than Sam Burns and Brooks and Scheffler. Uh, Was not expecting that coming into the week once I saw the pricing being released, but... I'll just make it simple for everyone. If you want to make sure that your lineup isn't like everyone else's, begin your teams with Justin Thomas. I don't think that I want to do that, but if we're talking about low ownership, that's the guy this week. Yeah, I really do think JT is an excellent pivot at the top. I really like Decky actually, as a pivot. I think the prevailing narrative will be that you have to fade Decky after his best performance at best putting performance of his career. And I just don't think that people are going to be going there, but I think JT and Decky are absolutely the pivots at the top of the board because everyone in the mothers going to start their lives with J Ron. Well, this also kind of seems, you know, a bit tricky because we finally have a full field event. Like, you know, the real guys are here. You have like 30 real players in this field that you actually want to use. And normally like when we see it come to majors, when we come to see it to big WGC events, it's not that people want to fade the $10,000 range. It's that they feel more comfortable with their lineups overall with six guys if they just start in the nines. And if you start in the nines this week, you know, hell, you can go Zalatoris and Scheffler and someone else and someone in the eighth, and you still don't have to go into the $9,000 range. That I, There's a chance that all of these $10,000 guys, maybe except for Rom, because people will play Rom 100%, uh, maybe not in 100% of their lineups, but of all these guys at the top, he's you know the very clear one that you can just circle, be like, oh yeah, Rom's going to be good here, let's go. Uh, and then after that, I could see all five of the other guys being criminally under-owned. 
Yeah, I would say Xander might be the exception to that. I just think the San Diego narrative and, you know, this course, it's really interesting that he did struggle at Torrey early in his career and had a bunch of missed cuts because obviously this course is perfect for him. Long off the tee, you know, not a lot of holes in the game, doesn't make a lot of bogeys. And, you know, he's played this course a million times. So I think he will garner some ownership at his price of uh, 10-1. So I, I think that he will get some. And, you know, Berger, you know, he, it, DraftKings in these books must have listened to your preview pod because they were all over it. And everyone thought they were going to get a discount on Berger this week. And uh, DraftKings said, no, sir. Yeah, it's really strange, especially because a lot of I don't know how the DraftKings algorithm works, obviously, when it comes down to pricing, obviously, odds are going to be a huge part of that. And now that they have their own legal sports book, they can just kind of rip the odds from there to make the DraftKings pricing. But I'm guessing the thing that their model in terms of the algorithm weights in determining the pricing is going to be some combination of recent form and strokes gained approach. Because when you look at Berger's entire player card it's just hi i'm one of the best iron players in the world i do it every single week and hopefully the rest of my game shows up and maybe this is the week it shows up but he's never really had a lot of success here which i, I actually find really surprising it, it's a total anomaly small greens poa greens have to be excellent on approach like why hasn't he been better here it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me but maybe this is the week that it changes and i could definitely see that well that was the thing with xander coming into what was it last year or yeah. the year before just he misses the cut at this tournament every year then all of a sudden he's tied for second it's like yeah maybe that stuff doesn't mean anything whatsoever and i think that you're going to get a huge discount on burger for he's in terms of ownership obviously you're not getting the monetary discount in terms of your salary cap but he's overpriced seemingly versus some of these other players he yep. has terrible course history however when you do look into him he fits exactly what you want at this course like i would feel more comfortable going with a pivot play in the 10ks by going to Berger and not Justin Thomas. No, I, I think that's a really excellent strategy because I just think that most people are going to see that they could get Bryson and Sam Burns for cheaper. And they're just going to be like, okay, I'm going to do that. I, I'm not really going to go into this guy. who hasn't shown that he could contend here. You could make a pretty good starting roster if you went. Maybe that's the way to do it if you go with the 9K guys, if you want to fade the 10K, which I wouldn't recommend because when you go back and look at the winners of the Farmers Insurance Open, it's not necessarily the best player in the field who ends up winning, but it's usually one of the best players in the field. And shockingly enough, in the DraftKings pricing, most of the best players in the field are over $10,000. That's something to keep in mind. Like, could, would you ever? Do you think you could build lineups this week that had two guys over $10,000? You know, if uh, Joey B's a, a mortal lock and he's a free square, then maybe. But uh, I don't know. I think you're going to have to really find a 6K guy that you love. And I just think a week like this, people are going to get really squeamish around that range. And they might not want to have two guys that's in the six or in the seven. I, I don't know. So, so the only way to differentiate your lineups, realistically, I mean, but you play Justin Thomas, your lineup is different. You play, you start with Berger, your lineup's going to be different. There's really easy ways around this, but I'm just thinking about how people are going to approach their lineups. And we can hit on that. We fill out the play the best plays roster and try to figure out where, where all the chalk is congregating and we can put them all into one line, all the value guys. But you could go three 9K guys to start your lineup. I think that'll be different because I think two 9K guys is going to be pretty prevalent as will like Rom and Zalatoris to start your lineups or the two 10K guys. But then you really are into the, who's everyone using from down here? Joseph Bramlett, the Bram wagon, 6,700 bucks. Everyone's all in on him. 
he seems to be the free square this week. I don't know if it will come into fruition, but people love him in this range. And, you know, I think, I think maybe the fact I was watching the broadcast and they showed him on the driving tracker and he just bond one out there, like, 340 and people are like okay he's got some distance to him he's playing some good golf so I, I think he might be the guy that people go to uh down the board and try and get some top guys in there yeah that's a, a really sneaky narrative that i've never really thought about because i noticed the same thing at the american express when everyone was coming down number 16 that they kept showing the longest drive of the day and it was just bramlet 343 off to the right into the rough but every time someone got to that hole they put the lines out on the fairway and bramlet's name was just on there so everyone knows he bombs the ball i think that's a really good point i had thought of that yeah no i, I was i was on the plane back from vegas so i, I was fully into the um into the stream of the broadcast. Gotta watch it every week. So I, I was really intrigued by that. Uh, how was the trip to Vegas? How long till you lost all your money? So I learned there's no such thing as a mortal lock. Um, but basically, I really like the over in the Titans game. And I'm like, you know what? I went up, a, like, I was definitely going to throw a lot of money on it because I'm in Vegas and it's content. And then I went up big in blackjack and I was like, okay, I'm leaving the table and I'm going to throw it all on the Titans and the over. And, um, you know, that didn't work out, but it's okay. You know, the thing is, that's good is that in Vegas, you got to take out the money, you're not betting on credit. So you only take out what you're willing to lose. And um, I met up with Rick, your best boy. We had a great time. Him and his wife were wonderful. Hit Circus Sportsbook. So it was really a great trip. I uh, really enjoyed myself. Yeah. Is it your first time in Vegas? First time, first time in Vegas. Yes. Yeah, you never forget your first time or you completely forget your first time, depending on how much fun you've had. Yeah, I, I can see how that uh, is is pretty easy to happen there. Yeah. So did you go golfing with Rick? Were you guys betting golf? What's going on? Uh, no, we just met up at Circa, had a couple of beers. Him and his wife watched the uh, the Packers game. Uh, but it, it was a great time. No golf in the trip. I just got new irons, so I really want to get out there. I might never miss a green in regulation again. But um, didn't really have time to fit in golf. But I think next time I go out, got to fit in some golf. A lot of great courses out there. Great weather. Yeah, I'm going to be out there in about two weeks. I think Rick and I are going to hit up somewhere. Hopefully we can get on TPC Summerlin so I can provide you with the Shriners research that you need to know. I can be like, well, I was over there and I couldn't make the shot. So I don't know how the hell anyone else is going to make this shot. Some of that sort of like really gripping insight that I think the people are looking for. So if you had to pick two guys from the 10K range, who are you rolling with? I'm going Decky Burger. Easy. I really like Decky this week. I'm really starting a lot of lineups with him. He would definitely be in my single entry. And I just think he's a great pivot at the top. Yeah, because we're so early in the week, this is still a Tuesday morning when we're speaking, but obviously this starts on Wednesday. I think at noon Eastern is going to be first tee. That's when lineups are going to lock. So the sample is much bigger than it normally is on Fantasy National amongst people doing their research and picking their players than it would normally be on a Tuesday morning. However, it's still not nearly as big as it would be on a Wednesday evening before the event. So always check back to FantasyNational.com to see if you can gauge those ownership percentages. But the way that I'm looking at it right now, like Thomas and Dustin coming in a bit lower Hideki and Berger coming in a bit lower everyone's using Rom and then Xander as you said is probably going to be second place of those I'm going to find it pretty hard to get away from Rom I'm not going to lie to you yeah I mean he's certainly going to be in the best play the best plays lineup uh, I'm kind of a Rom hater so I'm not going to be playing him and uh, he's not going back to back at Tory so I'm not really worried about it I gotta ask you why are you a Rom hater 
Like, I, I don't, I just, like, it's not really his fault that, like, he's overvalued completely in, like, the betting market. And people are like, yeah, let me bet him at, like, five to one at, like, uh, La Quinta. Like, I just I just don't like that. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, harp on, you know, saying it's a, a putting contest, that thing. I mean, it's really not that big a deal. I just think, like, what do you expect, dude? Like, Hudson Swafford won. The winning score has been, like, minus 30 in, like, 2002. Like, I mean, wh- what do you expect? Like, really? Like, I, I know that he's held to a different standard and he just has a on him all the time but um yeah I, I mean this is i'm not a proponent of betting the and playing the most expensive guy but this would absolutely be the week too but i just don't see him going back to back at tory yeah it'd be nice if you actually got some sort of ownership discount for him being the most most expensive guy and that's just not going to happen until he absolutely blows up and even last week well you you could win you could win tournaments with john rom in your lineup if you started rom and cantley that actually got you onto the guys you needed to have at the top because you used all your yep. money that you had all these 6k guys but those were the guys you actually needed so rom just rom and cantley both popped up in all of the best lineups so i thought that was pretty interesting and it wasn't what you were going for when you constructed those lineups but hey it ended up working out i guess as long as you take henrik norlander you're good to go 9k range yeah oh go ahead uh, no, I had the optimal lineup last week, like 4,300 bucks. Like, I mean, just uh, what more would you expect from the American Express? Like, could not be less shocked that the optimal lineup last week was 4, I, $4, I $4,300. I, I see people get rung up on that all the time, though. Like, oh, the optimal lineup, you know, left $7,000 on the board. Like, would you ever consider using a lineup that left seven? Like, why would anyone do that? Like, you're not competing against the optimal lineup. You're competing against realistic lineups. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that if you're in one of those contests where you have to leave like five, like a bunch of money on the table, that would be the only way you would do that. But yeah, I, I just think it was uh, interesting to see it being so low, but wouldn't expect anything less from the American Express. 9K range. Here's where it gets interesting. If you want to talk about like real legitimate pivots, you got some right here because there's the guys everyone's playing and then the guys that no one are playing. Bryson Burns, Brooks, Scheffler, Spieth, Sungjae, Zalatoris, Tony Finau, Mark Leishman. I will tell you the three players that no one is going to be playing this week. Brooks, Scheffler, and Spieth. Surprised about Scheffler coming in on that list, but I think he's just getting squeezed with all the other popular names that are coming from around him. Of those three guys, who do you like the best? I love Scheffler this week. Um, He was my initial thought this week, and I could not be more in love with Scheffler at this course. You don't go top 10 in the U.S. Open, PGA, and Open Championship if you can't drive it long and straight. You can't go all those results at majors that early in your career if you don't have an immaculate short game. He led the field in putting at the U.S. Open on the same exact green. So I love Scheffler. Um, obviously, speed is Andrew Kirst. But <laughs> he, I, I love Scheffler in this range. And I think that, like you said, people are just not going to – go to him but i think he has an immaculate week i think he plays really well and i think he shows by he's been one of the best major players in recent history i would push back on that these are the exact same greens that we saw at the u.s open they're not going to be set up the same they're not going to be as fast as they were at the u.s open but wouldn't that realistically like help him if they were a little bit slower i know he has two missed cuts here but i I don't know i i i like i think it there's a case to be made that he can certainly have a good week and find some semblance of a putter on these greens. Oh, sure. Listen, I, I completely agree with you. I think he most definitely have a good week. I don't think that would necessarily be the reason for it. If anything, I would think, I mean, and this is pure projection. You could be right. I could be right. We could both be wrong when it comes down to it. But when you see courses 
host majors that we see in normal rotation, be it Quail Hollow, be it Torrey Pines, be it Pebble Beach. They just play completely differently. And the green speeds are going to be different. The rough length is going to be different. It's a completely different method of attack that you need to go into it with. You need to game plan a whole lot differently than you would for the farmers, where, listen, if you hit it long and straight, obviously that's going to be great. If you miss fairways here, you know, it's not optimal, but it's not the end of the world like it would have been at the U.S. Open. It's not as detrimental. Yep. It's not going to cost you a stroke every time you miss the fairway. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. And I think a really weird thing this week is that a lot of guys that didn't play well at Farmers played well at the U.S. Open. And like a guy like Tony Finau is obviously the king of this course, and he didn't play well at the U.S. Open. So maybe there really isn't any semblance to the U.S. Open, and it's really not that something you should be looking at that heavily. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw people quoting Justin Thomas putting stats from like 2014. So you, know, you can go with that whatever. Works, it, always. It, listen, you can go with it, whatever you want to go with this week. And listen, if it gets you to the right answer, by all means, go with whatever you want. I don't really care because I'm not right enough to really make judgments on people about what they want to go research and what they want to talk about. That one just seemed kind of squishy to me. So I think it's like one round or two rounds or something crazy like that. Uh, but even like when we go back, I looked at some of the putting stats from Torrey Pine South. But even just looking back at the past, like, four years of data, like, what, what's the maximum amount of rounds that you could have had over the past four years? 12? I mean, that's, what's that? Yeah. Really? Or I guess 16, you know, it would be 12. Like, what's that really telling me about anything? Yeah, it's, it's really not telling you too much, and I don't think it should be heavily weighted or anything like that. But, yeah, I think the 9K range is, is really interesting. I really like Sanjay this week. I think he's catching a lot of steam and I think that people are just going to click Salatoris because he makes perfect sense. And I think Sanjay is a perfect kind of uh pivot there. As they say, I think that as Immelman says, he's sneaky long and you know, he, I got some great stats on him, obviously using uh fantasy national fourth and bogey avoidance first and par fours, long par fours, uh, gained 2.5 around the green last week, and he's six in proximity from 200 plus yards. Sanjay M, love him this week. I I'm playing him in every lineup. I think he's great pivot off Sal because he's going to be very popular. Well, it's going to be interesting to figure this out because I think that Finau ends up being more popular than Zalatoris. And I think that Zalatoris yep. is going to be the second most owned guy. So you're going to see a lot of Rom, Finau, Rom, Zalatoris lineups, or even Zalatoris, Finau lineups with something else in between. I really like Sanjay too. I want to bet Sanjay. I'm looking at a 32 at him right now. So I've already bet Finau. I've already bet Brooks and I've already bet Zalatoris. Those are the three guys that I've bet. Would you like where are you going with your outright card this week? Because sometimes I like to divvy that up. Obviously, if I have enough confidence in to betting someone that you'd think that I would want to use them on DraftKings and not necessarily all the time. Like, I don't necessarily like, would, do you want to use Brooks this week on DraftKings? Like, I actually did. I, I did what I said I was going to do on the betting show on Monday that I bet on Brooks and then I put an equal wager to the amount that I bet on Brooks for him to miss the cut just because I feel like he's he's not. I very much doubt that Brooks is going to churn out a T-16 this week. Put it that way. <laughs> you know, all throughout the swing season, people love betting at Brooks because they were like, okay, we hit him at waste management last year at 50 to one. And now he's playing in these swing season events and he's 50 to one. And I'm like, no, like Brooks is just not winning an event like that in the swing season, not close to the majors at 2600. Like, I just don't see that from him. 
This is the week for Brooks. Long and straight course around the green game. Pars at a premium. Doesn't make a lot of bogey. Like, that is Brooks Kepka's game. So, when I pulled up Fantasy National yesterday, I didn't see it was that out. I'm like, what are people doing? I think this is the week to play Brooks. Not all those other events that people were glamming over him for. The issue is you can have Bryson for $200 more, who has a very poor track record at this event. Was pretty good at the U.S. Open until he got to, what was it, number 14? And then it was the, the end of him. I bet Brooks and Bryson that week. And Brooks was fourth at the U.S. Open at this course, yet very rarely makes the cut at this tournament. But you have a 9900 dollar Bryson and then Sam Burns is just $9,700 like he was the other guy that I was kind of debating with like I feel like I have one spot left on my betting card and it's either Bryson Burns or it's Sungjae I like Sungjae's odds better but do I realistically think he has a better chance to win than Bryson I don't know probably not right I don't think so. I don't really see Bryson like winning this event. I just think I, I hate to say it. It's just way too obvious. And I really worry about is around the green game. Like people are like, obviously very much talking up around the green game. And then it's like, okay, let's bet Bryson who historically just is, doesn't play well around the green. And that's why he shot himself out of the U S open. Obviously he's an excellent putter. Obviously, you know, he's going to have eight irons into these greens when these guys are hitting four irons, but yeah. I, I, I'm betting Sanjay outright. I got that 32. I'm betting Scheffler outright. I'm betting Fino outright. I got a 30 on him. So last spot's kind of up for grabs, but Burns is very interesting. Obviously, he was in contention last year and just kind of shot himself out of it on Sunday. So I don't know. I think you can't really go wrong, but uh, eventually who is going to win? I'm with you on the Bryson around the green stuff, but I guess his sort of magic elixir to a lot of that is, you mentioned he can get so hot putting that even if he's terrible around the greens, as long as he gets it on the green, he's just piling in 20-footers all of a sudden. I've seen it happen when I have money against him. It's never fun. Never fun. Uh, hopefully that does not happen this week if you don't uh, get there on an outright. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, 22, I think, is a great number. Like, I just think that, like, that is actually a fair number on him. And I just think that he's such a talented player that has shown that he can win on long uh, difficult tracks, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll take Bryson at 22. That's a very easy thing to uh, to do, and I'm going to roster him at DraftKings at 99. Speed, 94? Don't, don't worry that he's Anderkers. Let's pretend like that never happened. Would you have any interest mm. anyway? I mean, Pat, what has he done since the Open? Like, nothing. legitimately nothing. Legitimately nothing. And it's not like, okay, he was, like, amazing for like eight like five years in a row like he kind of fell off a little bit had a great resurgence you know I really hope he does pick it up for the major season I think the courses really suit his game and obviously he's always unbelievable at the Masters and you know he just didn't putt well and he probably would have won that tournament if he could just find the hole a few times but Spieth I can't get there there's just too many good options I'm not going to back a guy that hasn't shown literally a morsel of form since the Open. Yeah, I think that if you're looking for that pivot in the nines, it's Brooks. It's not Speeth. I mean, Speeth's going to yeah. come in with lower ownership, 100%. I'd still rather have the upside of Brooks going out at this type of course and going to try to win. So I think Finau and Zalatoris are my two favorite plays. I think they're everyone's two favorite plays from this range. So you're going to have to grapple with that. If you want to build a Zalatoris-Finau lineup, adding Sungjae to it and doing sort of like 
not necessarily a stars and scrubs, but sort of a, a Raza talks about this, like the balance and scrubs type of roster yeah. where you can get your three guys in. That will be unique enough to you know, not really worry about the 28% Finau chalk or the 21% Zalatorishak, whatever it ends up being. I mean, those are just guesses on my part for right now. But having the combination of those three guys is still going to be pretty low. Uh, other than that, I guess it's between Bryson, Burns. I'll use Brooks. You kind of talked me into Brooks here. Maybe you talked me into Scheffler. I got to figure that out. But between Bryson and Burns, do you just take the one who's going to be lower owned? I like Burns. I just, I just think he's more consistent and he's just shown that it doesn't matter the course of the event. Like he's just going to be good and like just the ball striking and obviously as long as trade off the tee, I just, what's not to like about Sam Burns this week? Like genuinely what's not to like about him every single week. I just, everyone's saying that he's going to have an unbelievable year and I couldn't be more in agreement. I mean, he's just that talented of a player. So I'd rather play him than, uh, than, than uh, Bryson. Leishman? You know, Leishman? Nah, I don't like. I, I just, I, I'm not really sure if uh, that's the play. I think that what he did two years ago here it would just be so impossible to replicate. Can he do it again? You know, he played really well at the TOC, and I was really impressed with his game. Um, next week, didn't really play that well, but you know, that that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked his game at the TOC and obviously he can contend here and obviously he can perform here. You know, his outright number is crazy. I mean, it's, but sometimes, you know, the, these prices are so egregious because they're right. And like, you know, the books know that he has a great shot to contending. So I like that he played two events before and, um, you know, short game wizard poured it on Pella. That's Mark Leishman. And the irons have been awesome. Essentially, he hasn't missed a cut yeah. since the Open Championship either, which I just, I guess I blocked that out of my mind because it doesn't seem like he's been that consistent, but he's been consistent at this course. He has the win. I like Aussies at this course too. Aussies have played pretty well here over the years. Even like your lower end Aussies are just kind of pop up out of nowhere. Maybe it's a short game thing. Maybe it's a win thing. I'm not quite sure why that's the reason, but maybe he's the pivot that you're looking for. Instead of going up to Brooks or up, up to Scheffler, if you're really trying to, you want to use Rom and you, you know, Finau was the next logical choice, or Zalatoris is. I mean, Sungjae's going to carry the ownership. Maybe it's just down to Leishman, who's just as good as all of these guys, realistically, at this course. I think if you just gave them a neutral course in a neutral situation, you would always take the other guys. And we all want to take the other guys this week, but I think that Leishman is closer to them. I mean, obviously, the price indicates that, but I think the people's sentiment won't be around that. Yeah, and you go Rom Leishman, that leaves you with 7,400. I mean, there's a lot of great – I know we'll get to it. There's a lot of great guys around that range, and there's a lot of guys that I think are really going to perform well this week. And you could just, you know, take a bunch of guys there and not really have to dive into the sixes. So I think Rom Leishman, leaving you with 7,400, I think that's a decent build, and I think that could really work out to your advantage. Do you wake up in the morning and you're feeling nauseous? Or maybe you go to bed and you're feeling nauseous. Or maybe you just lost all your golf bets on the weekend or football bets and you're feeling nauseous. Well, you got to check out Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. How it works is Relief Band simulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. 
The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. It's really helped me in the morning, because I wake up morning and sometimes I am sick to my stomach, very nauseous, and ever since I started wearing Relief Band, not so much the case anymore. Relief Band makes a great gift for any time of year, and right now, they've got an exclusive offer just for Pat Mayo Experience listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code MAYO, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code MAYO for 20% off plus free shipping. Our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. Full serious in that, too. I started taking Athletic Greens because I had no energy in the morning. Plus, my breakfast was just too logy. I didn't want to feel logy all day long, filling up on carbs, and I really wanted to not have to take like 3,000 vitamins to get what I needed. And Athletic Greens fills that in perfectly because it does get me everything that I need in the morning. Like, what is this stuff? Many people ask me that, but with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole-source foods, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. I always take it on an empty stomach, and it makes me feel pretty awesome. Not gonna lie to you. And it fills me up too, so I'm good to go for the morning before I end up eating something in the afternoon. And the taste is pretty good. Like, you're thinking green juice, how awful does this taste? Athletic greens? Not so much the case. Plus, they have these travel packs that I bring, not that I'm traveling a ton, but I've done more traveling in the past three months than the previous two years. And I take one with me, and I just make it on the road with me, and it keeps me in my routine as I go and travel. Because everyone knows when you travel, you get completely out of your routine. It contains one less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything well, still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness. Uh, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important for me to choose one with high-quality ingredients that my body is actually going to absorb. And it costs less than $3 a day. If you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and it takes up far less room, trust me, on that one. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It was cost him 100 bucks a day. This less than $3 a day. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and it's recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Here's the issue. The 8K range is not super spicy. I would like to, if anyone out there has numbers on, I don't want to just look at winning lineups, but let's talk about like top five percentile lineups. When you get a collection of really good players at stronger field events, not necessarily majors, but these type of fields where you have like 10 to 12 really good guys. And then there's the next level down. Someone needs to be in the $8,000 range. And I want to see how often $8,000 guys populate 
those lineups because I'm looking at this and like, listen, I you can use any stat you want to make any case for anyone, but I look at all of these guys. I don't want to use any of them. Like, why would I? Why would I give up someone in the nines or the tens? Like, what's the case? Here's the here's the entire range: Gooch, Connors, Reed, Wolf, Homa, Bazaden, Hout. Mav McNeely, Ryan Palmer. All fine plays. I think you can make a pretty good case for all of them, except for like Patrick Reed, who won last year, which is kind of insane to think about coming into this year. But if you could use $8,900 on Gooch, let's say, and you had to save that, what, $500 and you could, or $400 and you could have used Sungjae and you got to Gooch instead. Like, is the difference between Sungjae and Gooch really the difference between, I don't know, J.J. Spawn and Gary Woodland or Jonathan Vegas or Mito? No, it's not. Like, I'd rather have I'd rather have Sungjae and the other guy. No, absolutely. I, I really don't see why you would, like, try and save some money and go with, like, Gooch or Connors here when there's just so many great plays in the nines. And depending on where you start your lineup, you don't have to go really into the eights. You know, I think... Really, the, the the best and most popular play here is going to be Mav McNeely. Pat, I know you like Mav on small greens. So, you know, is this the week? I mean, that's your thing. So can that work here? I, I Why not? And the driving has been <laughs> special, really, for the past six months or so. It, it seems like he's building towards something. I, I, I kind of hope he misses the cut this week and we get a good number next week at Pebble. Honestly, I think that's a much better course for him. I think that fits him, at least historically, where he's played really well. I'm probably not going to use any Mad McNeely, but like Homa, Ryan Palmer, they're both right here. I think they're both going to be popular. Listen, I have nothing bad to say about those guys, but they feel overpriced uh, in this range versus I think that the... The cost benefit of taking another 9K guy and dropping down rather than using one of these guys, like these guys are, aren't even markably better than the guys $500 cheaper than them in the $7,000 range. So, and you're not getting an ownership discount. The only guys that you're getting the ownership discount on in the eights are going to be Wolf and Bezaden out. I'd probably, if I was going to go to the eights, I'd use those two guys if I was going to use them. Yeah, I think Sebez is a good play. People were like betting him a lot this past two weeks and playing him a lot. It's like I, now that, he goes. Oh, to that, a, that, that was me actually. That that was me who was. Doing yeah, it was, that. It didn't was work your, out. Didn't uh, work out. What? Well, what's what? I think this shoots his game a little bit better. I mean, he's one of the best partners on tour. Great short game, mini speed, as they call him. I mean, wouldn't that work here? Um, you know, I, I don't know how he's played here before, but. I don't know. I think Sebaz actually suits his, this course suits his game a little bit better if he could get really hot on the greens and around the greens and uh, he can hit some long irons in. I think that Sebaz can work out well. I think that he could be a good DraftKings play. I would not bet him to win this tournament. I think a top yeah, 10 or a top I, I, 20 is like feasible for him based on what you said, but he needs to show up with the short game and putter and he just hasn't been doing that so far this year. Like when I finally start putting money on Sebez, shows up to the Sony Open, can't chip. He lost almost two strokes around the green at the American Express and two rounds at the South Course. Like that's not what we're looking for at all. Uh, but no. w- when you when you kind of reverse engineer everything that he's done, he's been a very good cut maker and even at harder courses like at the US Open at Torrey, he was T31 at the Mac he was t40 it feels like eventually that the longer courses catch up to him because he's so shit off the tee but he can scramble he's he's a i think mini spieth is i mean we don't like spieth why we like mini spieth for one thing that if you did want to take a guy in the vein of spieth and bezaden you'll have one of my pivot plays down the list put it that way 
Yeah, no, I, I think you kind of sold me there on not liking Seabass. I mean, when I was contracting ladders before, I wasn't really heavy in the eights. The only person I would really want to play would be Mav. So, you know, I think if I'm making any lineups that need someone in the eights, it would be Mav. But none of these other guys I really love. Homa, he always gets very popular, like, and I just don't always see it. Um, obviously, he can play well here, and he's a West Coast guy, and he played really well in the – West Coast swing last year, but um, he's not someone I'm ever rushing to roster or bet outright because I just I just don't see it. Oh, you get trick or treat Max Homo. You get the guy who goes and wins at elite historic courses or the guy who like misses the cut by nine strokes. He's actually like yeah. a, he's actually a really fun outright bet. He's a very infuriating DraftKings play because he just lacks consistency whatsoever. I happen to think that Wolf is just a better player. And I think that baseline Wolf, what we think about Wolf, he fits this course perfectly, doesn't he? Absolutely. And I think the fact that everyone was on him last week and he played horribly absolutely helps his ownership a lot. And I think this is a better week for him. I just think Summerlin, I don't know, off the tee, just a lot of hazards. You can't really wail away with driver. I mean, you can't really hear, but I mean, if he gets it going and he starts hitting fairways and he starts hitting the greens from the rough and he's just 330 out there, like I think there's a great case to be made that he can play well. We all saw his magic at the U.S. Open. Um, I think he was decent here last year. I, I think this is a much better week to play Wolf than last. And I think it would be an excellent pivot since he burned so many people last week. Yeah, I, like, I think Wolf is probably going to be the only 8K guy that I end up using. So when you hit my cheat sheet up on DKNation.com, which will probably be out like Tuesday night. So real long shelf life on that one. Uh, Matthew Wolf will be in there in that $8,000 range. The only name more than likely. I mean, I could talk myself into Ryan Palmer all day. I love Ryan Palmer, but I'm going to try to resist the urge to play her chalky Ryan Palmer at $8,100. We can drop into the sevens and we got guys. I mean, obviously list is going to rate out really well. I built a model where he's number one. So that made me feel good about myself. And I really had to exclude a lot of stuff to make sure that he came out number one. But like I said, you can get the stats to tell you whatever you want, but I like him at $7,600 long, hard course where I think that where the greens are difficult, there's a lot of three putts. I think that putting doesn't necessarily mean less, but I think it just means that more people are going to be shit on the greens, thus making them close to Luke list. So $7,600 I know he's going to be popular, but I think that there's enough popular popularity in this little mini section of the sevens that it doesn't get overwhelming. So I like that. So I'm going to play Luke list. I, I really think you could. And I really think it's a great play. And, you know, we talk about off the tee. We talk about around the green game. That is Luke list. And it's not like, okay, this course suits out perfectly for him, but he doesn't have any results to back it up. You know, he's made four straight cuts here at 12th, the 40th, 36th and the 10th. I mean, yeah, so that that checks out because this game suit this course suits his game and he's backed it up and shown that he could contend on it. Obviously, the ownership is going to be high, but the way we're talking about constructing our lineups and maybe getting a couple lower owned guys in there, I think you might be able to eat the chalk with Luke List. And what I want to point out is that TOC, Cam Smith was the highest owned guy. Next week, Russell Henley, one of the highest owned guys, you know, Cam, Cam Smith obviously won Russell Henley. Um, you know, he came in second, you know, probably should have won. You know, I just don't think that so- sometimes the chalk is actually good and people are smart and they know what they're doing on DraftKings. So obviously it always comes down to finding good versus bad chalk. But, you know, I think Luke List is a great play this week and where I'm building my lineups is leaving me with that range. So I think I'm just going to just ride the Luke List train and say that he's going to contend here and play well because he's shown he can before and it fits his game perfectly. 
I'm seeing a groundswell of Justin Rose love at 7,900 this week. I, I yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna have to uh, thank it? your boy Ad Lack for that. Yeah. I think that's all, Andy. Oh, Andy. Uh, but yeah, what are we doing? Man? One of the one of the best ball striking weeks, and he said since 2017, and he's going to a course that he's won on, and uh, he's played well. So, you know, I, I won't get there. I don't think I'll play it, but uh, I think there's a case to be made. Uh, but I will not be the one making it. I mean, best. I mean, best ball striking weeks is really pushing the envelope. I mean, I I didn't even look at the round by. I, I assume he's talking about round by round because if you just look at overall, wasn't all that good uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think he lost strokes off the tee between the two rounds. Maybe his final round was really good. Let's see here. Justin Rose. Oh yeah, one. Oh yeah, he gained three point four strokes off the tee in the final round at the American Express after losing almost as much in his first run at the South Course in round two. I. I just listen, he's won at this course before. He's Justin Rose, but I don't know. If he's gonna and it looks like he's gonna be somewhat popular, that, that's such a hard pass for me. I'd probably rather play Keegan Bradley. <laughs> yeah, no, Keegan, I mean team no putt, you know, just hit every green in regulation, maybe scramble a few times. I think Keegan makes a lot of sense here at his price point of seven nine. Um, you know, Keegan definitely checks out, and he's actually had some decent results played well at the Sony. So, yeah, I think Keegan definitely can work here. And, again, I think sometimes when par is at a premium and you don't have to make every single seven-footer for birdie, like, you don't have to make every putt. Like, that's Keegan Bradley. So, he can play well in difficult conditions. I could definitely see Keegan uh, playing well this weekend in the top 20. So, there, there's the three guys at 77 and 76. You got Hughes, Neiman, and Molinari. Lonto is right there as well. But it seems like people are gravitating towards Lonto, which I didn't expect. Then I forgot that he played well at this course a year ago. And obviously, he finished inside the top five a week ago. I'll take a hard pass on Lonto here. Spieth, Bezadenhout, Mac Hughes is the cheapest version of this style of player. If you want to get the lucky chipping and the lucky putting week, I think he's the guy that you go to. And... He's played well in some of these like longer, hard events. Like when you said, when Parr is at a premium, that's usually when he's at his best. I don't have the utmost faith in him because, you know, his ball striking can be really poor from time to time. But if you want to get lucky with someone who's like not owned whatsoever, he's the one. Yeah, no, Mac Hughes, I think he really does play well in really difficult conditions. And obviously he played well at the U.S. Open, um, six at the Open, uh, missed at the PGA. But yeah, he, he plays well on some longer, difficult tracks where, again, you don't, it's not a punting contest. You don't have to pour in every single, obviously if you have birdie punch, you want to make them, but it's not like everyone's going to be shooting low scores. So I think Mac Hughes, you, you just play him on tough conditions, and uh, I think he's a great play, and I don't know how popular he would be because you got guys like List and Molinari who played well last week, and everyone's darling Allen Wise. So I think that I don't know how much partnership he's going to own us, but I think it might not be that much. Uh, I think that, that you're looking at sub five for Horschel, Siwoo, Neiman, and Mac Hughes in that, like, those are your pivots from the Luke List, the Aaron Wise, even – Hell, even Molinari or Rose or Keegan Bradley, like these guys are going to be in a tier by themselves, much lower owned. And we know that they're all they, they're all capable upside guys. Uh, frankly, it's funny to see that Lonto and List are really the two that I get List. I don't really get Lonto. But when we talk about like overall skill. I'm shocked people aren't using Neiman. Yeah, no, I mean, this course seems like it would definitely play him well, and I know you love Neiman, so I think the guys you're high on and the guys you think are great golfers that should win more and should be in contention more, you just kind of blindly take them, and like we talked about, I just, I don't know if he's going to be that popular, 
So I think that could really work, but I'm really interested in Molinari. I mean, obviously played really well last week and a lot of people picked him like you and Jeff pointed out excellent in California, excellent in the swing. It's like, you kind of put in, you know, course history in this part of the country and recent form. And it's like, yeah, that's Molinari, but do you want to go back to him? I know he ripped your heart out last week and I apologize. I was rooting for you to get that each way, but uh, is there too much scar tissue there? No, absolutely not. I could see myself going back to Molinari. I want to get a judge on his popularity, though. I think it's somewhat inflated at the moment, like when you look at projections because people are just clicking buttons. But I think when people make decisions in their lineup, they will take list, they will take wise, they will go up to someone else, to Ryan Palmer or someone in that range. And I think he does get left behind because I want, and this is just a pure feelings type thing, no facts, just feelings on the Pat Mayo experience, but... People will get to the point where, do they really believe in Molinari at a long course? It looks like he added like 20 yards of distance, by the way, uh, from what I saw at the American Express last week. But I just don't think that people are going to get there with him. And I'll, listen, I'll go down with the ship on Molinari again. I probably won't bet him out right now that he's down to 70 to 1. But to play him at 76 on DraftKings, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, no, I, I like him. I'm going to have to play a lot of guys in this range. So I think he really works out well here. And I just think the the recent form it is really great. So, and like, he just plays well in California, but Aaron wise is, is really interesting to me. I love him. I think he's an excellent player. I think he's going to have a great year. I know that's, you know, not, you know, crazy or anything. He's very popular. I mean, I don't really care the course. I don't really care what type of event it is. I'm playing Aaron wise. I mean, I bet him at hundred to one. He's not winning, but like, you know, just throw 10 bucks on it. Whoever doesn't matter. But yeah, I, I'm Aaron wise in most lineups because I'm just so high on his game. So high on his tee to green game. It's good with long irons. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm down for Aaron wise. I'll probably bet him every single week. So might as well start now. All right. I'm, I'm out on Aaron wise. I like Aaron wise enough, but yeah. If everyone wants to use Aaron Wise, I think I'll take a pass on him at this venue. Like, people are on Jason Day. I probably would play Hoagie over Aaron Wise. He's played well at this course. He just continues to play well. The one I was really looking at, and I was surprised, and I remember doing it last year. He was in my single entry, and he ended up making the cut. And I went back and looked. He made the cut last week. Actually, he had a really nice week last week. And looking at his California performance from a year ago, made the cut every single time. It's Wyndham Clark. $7,200. Not something I thought I would ever say, but when it comes to driving distance, he checks out pretty good around the greens and he's putting well right now. Putts well on POA. So I think I'm going to use some Wyndham Clark at 72. I, I love that play because I mean, he just never came into my mind. I don't think he's coming into a lot of people's minds. So I think you made a compelling case and I think that he will be under owned. And if you know, you want to play a chalks Altors or a chalk Rom and that's your differentiator and he finishes T8. I think that's excellent play. I love it. Yeah. C coming down, like in the bottom here, there are two guys that the masses seem to be gravitating towards Cameron Davis and Patrick Rogers, two guys that I identified that I liked as well, but if they're going to hit double digits and they might probably more Rogers than Cam Davis, I can see myself just taking a pass on them and using a Wyndham Clark and I'll go back to Woodland. I have no fear. If he misses the cut again, so be it. Um, I'm, I, I'm invested in Gary doing well this year and I when he misses a cut, all that means he's going to be less popular the next week. And he played pretty well outside of his first nine holes at the South course on Thursday, his first round of the year uh, on the back nine. He got them all back, got back to even finished at minus four for the week. It wasn't a great week by any means, but he's had a lot of success at California courses, a lot of success at Torrey Pines in his career. So if no one wants to use Woodland, I will be the loser that ends up using Gary Woodland again. 
I love it. You know, we're in the content business. You have your takes and you stick with it. You're high on Woodland this year. I mean, small greens, obviously shown that he can play well in California, major winner at Pebble. I, I like this course a little bit better for him than last week. So yeah, sticking with Carrie Woodland, go for it. I love it. Uh, do you have any opinions on Keith Mitchell? Because everything I looked at points to Keith Mitchell outside of his course history, which is brutal. Yeah, I like Keith Mitchell. Uh, I just think that this course suits his game really well. Um, you know, Wells Fargo, I mean, that's not like a direct comp, but it was a difficult, long course, like winning score, a minus 10. He was right there with Rory. Obviously, he's a Fazio guy. But I, I mean, he just, there's no question. He is log off the teeth. There's no question. He's a great par five scorer. So I will be playing Keith Mitchell again. Uh, I like him and I think he has a good week, but you know, I definitely course history, not excellent, but you know, some guys have weird course history here and I'm just going to hope that it changes the tide. And he played well at the Sony. So got some form coming in. True. Anyone else in these lower sevens that you like, would you use Davis or Patrick Rogers? Rogers is really interesting. I know you've had some takes about Rogers, you know, like people have been saying he's going to be good for years. I know Kenny drafted him and everyone shit on him about it, but he's played well at this course. I mean, there's really no denying that. And, uh, you know, obviously a West coast guy, obviously can put well in these greens. So I think Patrick Rogers is a great play. I probably would assume his ownership would be like 15%. I do think people will think of him because West coast, good course history. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's played um, since the restart, but I, I think Patrick Rogers makes a lot of sense. And then that could open you up to get some guys in like the seven, eight and seven point uh, eight. So, yeah, I think Rogers can work, but I know you're not quick to play him. So if you're debating him, then uh, I think that could work. I, I used him at the U.S. Open last year, actually. Um, long, Listen, long, hard courses where putting really does matter. Consistent putting, consistent around the green work in distance. Patrick Rogers has all those things. That's why he's played well at this tournament, at this course over the years. I, I don't necessarily know if I want to get onto like a really chalky Patrick Rogers because Based on the lineup constructions, I'm trying to visualize the play, the best plays lineup in my mind. And the last two guys in that lineup are Rodgers and Bramlett. Like, use those two guys at the bottom. Take whoever you want at the top. Yep. No, I, I think that really makes a lot of sense. And now obviously we'll get into it. But, I mean, Joey B, it's just like, I don't know, Cecil's boy. Like, everyone is playing him because you look at the guys around him and you're just like, I don't know who else to play. I'm not confident in anybody really there. So, I think play the best plays. I mean, Rogers and uh, that guy. I mean, I just think that that really works. Joey B, but uh, we'll have to see. He's going to be like so high owned. It's going to be unbelievable. Chuck Hoffman is someone that I had interest in, but just, I don't know what's wrong with him uh, where he hasn't played. He's withdrawn from a couple of tournaments so far. Got to leave him off the list. Alex Smalley really shocked me at how far he hits the ball. Did not expect that when I was going through the numbers uh, consistently gains off the tee. He can be a pretty good putter from time to time uh, has no POA experience whatsoever, but I mean, that's neither a good thing or a bad thing, I suppose. Uh, and so I was kind of waiting him a little bit. The one I wanted to kind of go back to though, is Michael Thompson, who everyone loved a week ago, and he was a fucking disaster. Um, but he was super chalked. Michael Thompson's never really going to work out. But now no one is using him. If you look at his history at this course, every second year he pulls off his Michael Thompson shenanigans where he chips and he putts and it's fine. And like to, to look at his course history at this event, miscut 13th, miscut 14th, 63rd, 11th, or his past six years. 
if he was in good form until last week, like I could see myself going back to Michael Thompson now that everyone has thrown him aside. Like he he's last week's news didn't work out. Let's move on to someone else. I, I think I'm okay with going back to him. No, I think that's a, that's an excellent play. And I think the trend of the miscut top 20, I mean, that fits perfectly here and yeah, nothing really fundamentally changed between these last two weeks. Obviously he didn't play well last week when everyone played him, but like you said, that was pretty obvious and pretty standardly going to happen. So yeah, I I think that he works here and his ownership is definitely going to be down and he's shown that he can contend and finish in the top 20. And if you get a top 20 out of Michael Thomas at this event, at this price, I mean, that's a, that's great play, and uh, I think that'll work out really well. Yeah, currently uh, projected at 1.2% per <laughs> Fantasy National. Big difference from 17 last week. Is that what he was, 17 last week? Yeah, not great. Not great performance. I was happy with it because I had none, but didn't really even help me out all that much. 6K, we've been hitting on the name this entire time. It's Joseph Bramlett. Uh, I went over him on my first look show as well as someone who is going to be massively popular. And it looks like he's going to be massively popular. And I think it actually makes a lot of sense when we talk about the skill set that you want for this course and someone who's in really good form and someone that's played well at this course. He just checks all of those boxes going down, which worries me. What do you do? Do you just eat it? And hopefully the casual public doesn't know who this is, so it doesn't make a difference. Is this a Twitter bubble type thing? Like, what do you think that he comes in the giant $20 this week? We're $200,000 to first place. What is the ownership on Joseph Bramlett? If I gave you over under 11.5%, what would you take? Definitely over. Definitely over because I think people are really squeamish in this rage here. And he just is so glaringly the best play with all those things you alluded to. It just like he checks every single box and he's playing well and he has good course history. It's just like, yeah, okay, I'll play at his price. That that works totally. And uh, that will open up, you know, you could play another 9K guy or, you know, I think a lot of people might not go into the sixes this week. So if they do, they're definitely going to him. So I think it will... I think he's a great play, but I think identifying someone else in the sixes could be very pivotal to having an excellent lineup this week. Like if you want someone who bombs it, just use Cameron Young. He's coming off I mean, yeah. a bad final round at the Amex, but you know, pretty decent performance. Sucks on approach. I mean, the, the guy bombs it off the tee, and he putts pretty well most of the time. Yeah, no, I, I think that works. Again, he was another guy that was popular last week, a nice corn fairy guy. And now he's going to a course where, you know, you got to hit it long off the tee. I mean, the approach play is obviously a concern. And, you know, I'm not sure how great he is around the green, but I think that that could be a nice 6K play. I do like, weirdly, I, I don't know why, but I like JJ Spawn at $6,900. Uh, he had a 30th year two years ago, gained 2.5 T to green, Grain 3.5 on approach, and he gained uh, 1.8 putting last week. Uh, plays well in California. So I like JJ Spawn in the 6K if I'm going down here. Um, I think that could uh, really be a nice play at uh, $6,900. So yeah. I, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be playing some JJ this week. Yeah, say, an Aztec, a San Diego State guy. That's Ruby's boy, JJ Spawn. So, dude, there you go. I gotta play Ruby's boy. If there's one person I gotta play, it has to be Ruby's boy. And yeah, you got the hometown narrative. Got a little bit of course history. Uh, I believe in the. I just have this weird memory of the U.S. Open, and he was like one of the first groups out, and he made a birdie. So that is a reason to play him. I'm down. Uh, you got Gim, my guy, the Gim Reaper, he's 7,000. I'll probably end up working him in. Uh, here's the play that uh, is going to cost me my week. I guarantee you. 
former, I say he didn't actually win this event. He should have won this event and then took a triple bogey on the 72nd hole, allowing Brant Snedeker to win. This was ages ago. Then he came back out the next week in Phoenix and won that event. But the ball striking is still there. It's Kyle Stanley. For whatever reason, this course fits with him for reasons that are unknown. And I think it goes back to the same sort of case that I made with Luke List. Like, Kyle Stanley's not going to gain strokes putting. That's never going to happen. But if the field overall putts really poorly in terms of three putts, then everyone's closer to him than they would be in a normal week. But fairways, long irons. He's the guy that does it the different way at this course than the Bombers do. But he's had a lot of success in doing that here over the years. Coming off, I mean... You just go back and look through it. Like, you were, if you were worried about his ball striking because uh, it was a little bit off during the swing season, well, it looks like it's back now. Like, the driving has been really good, gained over six strokes on approach at the Sony, and he's going to pop like that every few weeks. And I think that no one is going to use him, play the history with him, and play the recent form of his driving and irons and pray he doesn't lose nine strokes putting in one round. That's my move. Yeah, no, his tee, his tee to green numbers are immaculate. Uh, and you're just hoping that he can just maybe lose like 1.5 putting. And that'll be enough for the week because the ball striking is just so great and so there. And obviously uh, a decent ball striking and uh, result at the Sony. I mean, showing a little form. I mean, why not? Why can't he like only lose 1.5 putting and, you know, make the cut, finish T27? I think that'll work. Now, instead of just picking names out of a hat in the bottom, and I probably don't even want to really go down all that far. Like someone like Trey Mullenix sticks out to me just because he hits the ball so far. Same as Brandon Hagee, same as Seth Reeves. Like they're just super bombers. Tyler McCumber is very much the same way. I could probably talk myself into McCumber, actually. But the one that I was looking at, where'd he go? In terms of like the overall rating, and this is just a, do I just blindly trust the numbers on this? Numbers, my numbers at least, love Bronson Burgoon. (laughs) He's long. He's a bobber. I, I love it. What, what's his point? Let me get a uh, Bronson up here. Um, no, I, I, I mean, $6,400. I mean, that, that can play. That could work. I like it. So if you're playing a guy that low, obviously it would probably be the lowest price guy you would play. Like where, who can you take now if you're going this far down the board? Well, let's see. Let's punch in Bronson the Goonies and see what we got going on here. So he's at $6,400. And that's the thing. Like, do I need to go down this level and inherit this much risk? The answer is probably no. But you take him for your other five players, you have an average of $8,700. I like Luke List. Let's punch in Luke List. Actually, you know what? Let's let's keep it contrarian here if we want to go chalk at the top. Let's punch in Wyndham Clark at $7,200. Now I have $9,100 left, which means I can go Finau, Zalatoris, M, and Wolf if I want to. There's my lineup. And I don't even, I still have $300 left. I could upgrade from Wyndham Clark to a $7,500 guy, or I can go Burgoon to Bramlett if I wanted to. I think that's an excellent play. I think that's a really nice build. And I think that, you know, really, again, you're, you're taking on risk and you might be kicking yourself on a, a Friday and be like, okay, I really didn't need to do this. And he just missed the cut and I could have <laughs> saved a few dollars here, but you know, I think that could definitely work. And if he, he lets you, allows you to take more guys you like that are, um, you know, higher price, then I say go for it. And uh, you know, maybe a few lines, maybe a few lines. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the few players in the field, strangely, that is above average at everything. Uh, in the, like the key things that I was looking for, like his, he's not a bomber, but he's inside the top fifty in driving distance. He's really good on these long approaches and the one seventy five approaches. Like he's elite in those. He's top twenty in the field from both those ranges. And around the green, he's like average. So he's probably not going to lose it for you around the greens. But he's also Bronson Burgoon. He kind of sucks. So <laughs> got to wait that part of it. Yeah, no, that's always the uh, the question is, is you get farther down the board. It's like, is he literally just going to suck this week? And I just saw something in him that was not there, and it was totally made up in my head. But um, I'm down for Bronson. I'm down. Let's do it. Double B. Let's 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 ride him up. Uh, John Johnny question marks. John uh, makes the cut here every single year. I don't know why, because this seems like it would be the worst course on the PGA Tour for him. But he's got good vibes at Torrey Pines. I mean, if he always makes a cut, that's a lot better than a lot of more elite players that uh, don't seem to play well here. So, yeah, I think you just you ride that you ride the made cuts here and you just say, all right, he's going to do it again. And I I trust him. Justin, Huh? the question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny is who you're looking for. You're thinking of Justin, who scumbagged me last year. It was not good with Justin, and me. Yeah, no, I, once we get down, I'm just like, once we get this far down, I'm like, I, I, ha- I usually don't scroll this uh, this far down. These are not uh, my, my favorite plays. I can't, can't give you a load of stats and why they'll make it. But, you know, if he's a cut maker, play him. Let's do it. Yeah, let's see. He's played this event every year since 2012. He's missed one cut, which really surprises me for a short hitting guy yeah. like, like, like Jonathan question marks. But you know, here we are. Play the best plays lineup. Well, it feels like it's going to be pretty easy to find the best plays this week when we're going down to it. Like we, we mentioned, if you want to end your teams with Rodgers and Bramlett, you could probably do that, right? Yeah. So Rodgers, Bramlett, um, Rom, and then Finau, right? Like how is Finau not to play the best plays? I mean, his price is completely wrong. He has one of the best course history here. And again, he's just excellent in majors, excellent on difficult tracks, loves this course that leaves you with $7,900. I think those are the first four really in there. Yeah, and I think where people's minds are going this week that would either lead us to list or wise would probably be the the cheaper of the $7,900 guys to put in to get you back up into the eights to one of those guys. Do you think people go with list or Aaron wise? absolutely list i mean you can see it on the ownership on fantasy national everyone's clicking him he checks every single box he is absolutely play the best plays you gotta play luke list this week so that leaves us with 83 here's the only difference you can play wise and max homa but if you play a list you don't have enough money for max homa so then you play either mcneely or palmer in that spot do you think it's going to be more common that people go list and mcneely or wise and homa List McNeely, 100%. I, I, I really, I, like, I know people really like Aaron Wise, but I, I don't think that people are going to just, there's not a lot of signs that are like, he's going to be perfect here. I like him at a lot of different courses, but I'm just going to play him anyway. But yeah, I think List um, McNeely is it. I, I really think people are going to ha- think that McNeely is going to have an excellent California swing. And again, small grains, power grains, ball striking is excellent right now. I think that List and uh, McNeely are the best plays, and that's where people will be going. All right. Well, that's the play of the best plays lineup. You got Rom and Finau at the top, Rogers and Bramlett at the bottom, in the middle, McNeely, Luke List, 
enter that lineup, and I will split all the money at the top with all of you, so we won't even get our money back on it. We'll, we'll end up splitting it so much at the top, that $200,000 is going to be divvied up by like 100,000 of us, and it won't be, won't be good. But that, that I feel like that is the lineup construction that people are going to look at the most, because uh, that way you can fit in ROM and every value guy down the list. Yeah, no, I think it really works. And I'm not going to go on Mayo and not play the best plays lineup. So I will be splitting that money with you and I will be playing that lineup in a single entry. So uh, I love it. Got to play the best plays. But yeah, I think this is was one of the easier play the best plays lineups um, that I've seen on your show because there's every single one checks a lot of boxes. And I think they're all going to be very popular this week. All right, that'll do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Brian Kirshner, where can everyone find you? Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter, Brian Kirshner. I do tap and birdie every single Tuesday at eight, did it on Monday last night. So check it out. 1.5 speed only. Uh, Pat, it's really weird listening to you on regular speed. I, I always listen to you on 1.5. So, you know, to get your normal tone and pace, it threw me for a little bit of a loop, but I couldn't be more appreciative for you to have me on. And it was a great episode. Great show. Appreciate everything you do for the industry. And you are the godfather, Pat. So, uh, Pleasure to be on, and uh, you're the best. Yeah, so calling me the godfather makes me feel fucking old, by the way. That's not the compliment you think it is. No, no, <laughs> no, you're not old. You're not old, you're young, and you're handsome, and you're not old. You got your whole life ahead of you, Pat. Absolutely. Well, you may have earned a, a comeback with that little bit. Uh, here's how I knew I was going old. I looked at my hands. I'm starting to get old person hands, and it's not good. Like the, the, yeah, you start to get like a bit of wrinkle there, a bit of overlap. Like I remember young person hands. I don't got them anymore. Bad news. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I don't have to worry about that for a while. Oh, oh you will. You, you yeah, will have to worry about that, sir. No, I, I don't think I'm ever going to age. Actually, I think I'm just going to, you know, just stay, you know, same, not age at all. My dad looks great. He's 70. I got those genetics going. So, uh. I'm sorry your hands aren't uh, perfect anymore, but, you know, that just kind of comes with the times, I guess. <sighs> My hand modeling career is just never going to take off. I blame the kids. George Costanza. Had the kids, and then all of a sudden just started to gray hairs popping up, old person hands, the wrinkles. It's terrible news. My stress level through the fucking roof, too. Anyway, Brian Kirschner, thanks for being on, man. Absolutely a pleasure. Can't wait for everyone to see this. She did a great job of teasing, not having me on. Meanwhile, I was telling my blackjack dealer in Vegas, called my grandma, told my mailman, you know, had to tell everybody. I was supposed to do that joke at the start, but saved it for then. Perfect. No it's problem. all right. Yeah, it's the reverse tease. That's what you want to go with. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME on Twitter, fantasynational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off playing the listeners league. That's down in the description. Smash the like, sub to the channel, say something in the comment section to help out the algorithm and rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I would enjoy that a lot. Newsletter coming out on Tuesday evening with the final picks and ownership projections. Until then, we'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience! This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.